Chapter Nineteen of the Return of Doctor Fu Manchu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elaine Tweddle. The Return of Doctor Fu Manchu by Sax Romer. Chapter Nineteen. Doctor Fu Manchu's Laboratory. I cannot conceive that any mortal ever attained to anything like an intimacy with Doctor Fu Manchu. I cannot believe that any man could ever grow used to his presence could ever cease to fear him i suppose i had set eyes upon fu manchu some five or six times prior to this occasion and now he was dressed in the manner which i always associated with him probably because it was thus i first saw him he wore a plain yellow robe and with his pointed chin resting upon his bosom he looked down at me revealing a great expanse of the marvellous brow with its sparse neutral coloured hair never in my experience have i known such force to dwell in the glance of any human eye as dwelt in that of this uncanny being his singular affliction if affliction it were the film or slight membrane which sometimes obscured the oblique eyes was particularly evident at the moment that i crossed the threshold but now as i looked up at dr fu manchu it lifted revealing the eyes in all their emerald greenness the idea of physical attack upon this incredible being seemed childish, inadequate, but following that first instant of stupefaction I forced myself to advance upon him. A dull, crushing blow descended on the top of my skull, and I became oblivious of all things. My return to consciousness was accompanied by tremendous pains in my head, whereby, from previous experience, I knew that a sandbag had been used against me by someone in the shop, presumably the immobile shopman. This awakening was accompanied by none of those hazy doubts respecting previous events and present surroundings which are the usual symptoms of revival from sudden unconsciousness. Even before I opened my eyes, before I had more than a partial command of my senses, I knew that, with my wrists handcuffed behind me, I lay in a room which was also occupied by Dr. Fu Manchu. This absolute certainty of the Chinaman's presence was evidenced not by my senses, but only by an inner consciousness, and the same that always awoke into life at the approach not only of Fu Manchu in person, but of certain of his uncanny servants. A faint perfume hung in the air about me. I do not mean that of any essence or of any incense, but rather the smell which is suffused by oriental furniture, by oriental draperies, the indefinable but unmistakable perfume of the East. Thus London has a distinct smell of its own, so has Paris, whilst the difference between Marseille and Suez, for instance, is even more marked. Now the atmosphere surrounding me was Eastern, but not of the East that I knew, rather it was far eastern perhaps i do not make myself very clear but to me there was a mysterious significance in that perfumed atmosphere i opened my eyes i lay upon a long low settee in a fairly large room which was furnished as i had anticipated in an absolutely oriental fashion the two windows were so screened as to have lost from the interior point of view all resemblance to european windows and the whole structure of the room had been altered in conformity bearing out my idea that the place had been prepared for fu manchu's reception some time before his actual return i doubted if east or west a duplicate of that singular apartment could be found the end in which i lay was as i have said typical of an eastern house and a large ornate lantern hung from the ceiling almost directly above me 
the further end of the room was occupied by tall cases some of them containing books but the majority filled with scientific paraphernalia rows of flasks and jars frames of test-tubes retorts scales and other objects of the laboratory at a large and very finely carved table sat dr fu manchu a yellow and faded volume open before him and some dark red fluid almost like blood bubbling in a test-tube which he held over the flame of a bunsen burner the enormously long nail of his right index finger rested upon the opened page of the book to which he seemed constantly to refer dividing his attention between the volume the contents of the test-tube and the progress of a second experiment or possibly a part of the same which was taking place upon another corner of the littered table a huge glass retort the bulb was fully two feet in diameter fitted with a liebig's condenser rested in a metal frame and within the bulb floating in an oily substance was a fungus some six inches high shaped like a toadstool but of a brilliant and venomous orange colour three flat tubes of light were so arranged as to cast violet rays upward into the retort and the receiver wherein condensed the product of this strange experiment contained some drops of a red fluid which may have been identical to that boiling in the test-tube these things i perceived at a glance then the filmy eyes of dr fu manchu were raised from the book turned in my direction and all else was forgotten i regret came the sibilant voice that unpleasant measures were necessary but hesitation would have been fatal i trust dr petrie that you suffer no inconvenience to this speech no reply was possible and i attempted none you have long been aware of my estimate for your acquirements continued the chinaman his voice occasionally touching deep guttural notes and you will appreciate the pleasure with which visit affords me i kneel at the feet of my silver buddha i look to you when you shall have overcome your prejudices due to ignorance of my true motives to assist me in establishing that intellectual control which is destined to be the new world force i bear you no malice of your ancient enmity and even now he waved one yellow hand toward the retort i am conducting an experiment designed to convert you from your misunderstanding and to adjust your perspective quite unemotionally he spoke then turned again to his book his test-tube and retort in the most matter-of-fact way imaginable i do not think the most frenzied outburst on his part the most fiendish threats could have produced such effect upon me as those cold and carefully calculated words spoken in that unique voice which rang about the room sibilantly in its tones in the glance of the green eyes in the very pose of the gaunt high-shouldered body there was power force i counted myself lost and in view of the doctor's words studied the progress of the experiment with frightful interest but a few moments sufficed in which to realize that for all my training i knew as little of chemistry of chemistry as understood by this man's genius as a junior student in surgery knows of trepining the process in operation was a complete mystery to me the means and ends alike incomprehensible thus in the heavy silence of that room a silence only broken by the regular bubbling from the test-tube i found my attention straying from the table to the other objects surrounding it and at one of them my gaze stopped and remained chained with horror it was a glass jar some five feet in height and filled with viscous fluid of a light amber colour 
out of this peered a hideous dog-like face low-browed with pointed ears and a nose almost hoggishly flat by the death grin of the face the gleaming fangs were revealed and the body the long yellow-gray body rested or seemed to rest upon short malformed legs whilst one long limp arm the right hung down straightly in the preservative the left arm had been severed above the elbow fu manchu finding his experiment to be proceeding favourably lifted his eyes to me again you are interested in my poor sinocephalite he said and his eyes were filmed like the eyes of one afflicted with cataract he was a devoted servant dr petrie but the lower influences in his genealogy sometimes conquered then he got out of hand and at last he was so ungrateful toward those who had educated him that in one of those paroxysms of his he attacked and killed a most faithful barman one of my oldest followers fu manchu returned to his experiment not the slightest emotion had he exhibited thus far but had chatted with me as any other scientist might chat with a friend who casually visits his laboratory the horror of the thing was playing havoc with my own composure however there i lay fettered in the same room with this man whose existence was a menace to the entire white race whilst placidly he pursued an experiment designed if his own words were believable to cut me off from my kind to wreak some change psychological or physiological i knew not to place me it might be upon a level with such brute things as that which now hung half floating in the glass jar something i knew of the history of that ghastly specimen that thing neither man nor ape for within my own knowledge had it not attempted the life of nayland smith and was it not i who with an axe had maimed it in the instant of one of its last slayings of these things dr fu manchu was well aware so that his placid speech was doubly trebly horrible in my ears i sought furtively to move my arms only to realize that as i had anticipated the handcuffs were chained to a ring in the wall behind me the establishments of dr fu manchu were always well provided with such contrivances as these i uttered a short harsh laugh fu manchu stood up slowly from the table and placing the test-tube in a rack stood the latter carefully upon a shelf at his side i am happy to find you in such good humour he said softly other affairs call me and in my absence that profound knowledge of chemistry of which i have had evidence in the past will enable you to follow with intelligent interest the action of these violet rays upon this exceptionally fine specimen of siberian amanita muscaria at some future time possibly when you are my guest in china which country i am now making arrangements for you to visit i shall discuss with you some lesser-known properties of this species and i may say that one of your first tasks when you commence your duties as assistant in my laboratory in kiangsu will be to conduct a series of twelve experiments which i have outlined into other potentialities of this unique fungus he walked quietly to a curtained doorway with his cat-like yet awkward gait lifted the drapery and with a slight nod in my direction went out of the room End of chapter 19 recording by elaine tweddle sterling ontario